The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. So, hello there. Uh, welcome to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. The man coughing in the background is Chris Awellamo. Yeah, excuse me. How are you, Mikey? You all right? Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, we teased people. A lovely little bit of teasing. Uh, in the last podcast with Ali Robertson, who we'll talk about in a minute, about a uh, potential competition. Exciting. That we really? might be running. Well, I don't even, don't even know if I said competition. It was just kind of a tease of something that might interest people. As you said before, you, you do like a good tease. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a teaser. Um, so there is a competition, and uh, it's been arranged for two pairs of tickets to give away. And not just tickets, not just match tickets, my friend but tickets to be in the executive box of our sponsors, Wolverhampton Building Supplies, for the game against Liverpool just before Christmas. <laughs> I tell you what, ridiculous. Now, I don't know why we've not just been offered these for us, rather than giving them away to people. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> You're at all the games anyway. Oh, you just want the hospitality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll go down and have the food beforehand, nip back up and do commentary. You're a big enough name at this club. You I can get what really you not. want. I'm delivered not. to you where you want I'm re- I'm at really this not. club. I know really this. No, 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 no. You are. As, as we've said before, I've seen it where like you're walking into the stadium and people are like shouting at you outside of cars. Abuse. <laughs> shouting abuse. <laughs> <laughs> How did you miss that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's brought the mess up. What's that about? Come on, you got to let it go. It was offside. <laughs> offside, mate. I, was, I wasn't actually talking about the Scotland miss. Oh, but. right, okay. I was talking about all the other misses that you right. had during the time. Got to be there. And the fouls. Got to be there to miss them. All right, yeah, fine. Thank you. Um, but anyway, back to the competition. Sorry. So uh, if you would like to win a pair of tickets to see Wolves v Liverpool uh, just before Christmas in the Wolverhampton Building Supplies box, this is how you can go about doing it. And I did mention this to give you a heads up beforehand, but get doing it right now. So one pair of tickets is going to be given away to a follower of Wolverhampton Building Supplies on Twitter. They are at WV Build Supplies. That's at WV Build Supplies. Get following them, and then there's a potential that you can win two, a pair of tickets, two tickets, to be in the box. The other pair will be given to somebody who leaves a review and a rating of us on iTunes. So if you go onto iTunes, Old Gold Club is where we are. Uh, yeah, you know you're not allowed to win. So can I, if can I'm not allowed I not to leave win, a review, if I, well, you, you can leave a review if you want. It'd be okay. a bit weird if you review your own podcast. Really? Yeah. Because oh, at the minute, I think there's only one review on there, so it would be the main review that stands out would be this podcast is absolutely great, Chris Owellamo. <laughs> I'm not sure that would work, um, and none of your family either. But nope. uh, if you are just not related to myself or Looms then uh, you can go on there, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Um, why not tweet us uh, the evidence that you've done it as well? That Definitely. At Wolves across social media. Um, and we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to go in the box as well. So that's two pair of tickets. Either follow at WV Build Supplies, and that's one way of potentially winning it. And then leave a rating and review on iTunes. And that's another way. So you've got two opportunities. Do both. And you've got two chances. Double your chances. That yep. seems like a good idea to me. I think you've absolutely nailed that. So I there you that go. was outstanding. Thanks very much, mate. Uh, considering we didn't even script that. that was that, that's what I'm saying. I'm, you just blow me away. Blow my mind. Every 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 time I'm, I'm in your company, <laughs> this is what you do. Outstanding. Professional. Thanks, mate. 
That means a lot. No problem. Uh, so yeah, so you can win. Uh, so good luck to everybody if you do that, and we'll announce the winners in due course uh, at WV Build Supplies iTunes uh, rating and review. Our last week's episode was Ali Robertson, um, who was the captain through the rebuild and rebirth of Wolves in the late 80s, lifted the Sherpa Van Trophy fi- trophy and the final at Wembley. Um, I found it kind of fascinating in that he spent the majority of his career at Albion and admittedly he did talk a lot about Albion in yep. the podcast, but kind of he had to because that was, he only played for two football clubs and one of them was for a significantly longer period than the other. But I found it interesting how when he moved over, he like fully became Wolves when he did. Well, I think the 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 person that he is, even the player that he was, he had that that drive, but he had a massive point to prove, and he knew what he he knew what he stood for. Uh, I think uh, how how that kind of that that bridge was was burned, the relationship with West Brom. Who who else? Who else could you go to to actually say, you know, I'm going to show you exactly yeah. what I'm about? And, and he was he was part of that rebuild. You know, I think obviously the the, the coaching aspect, player coach, <clears throat> was a, was a big factor as well because he hadn't thought about it and he always seen himself as a number two. Uh, but where he took the club, I was what surprised me was that the the trophy that he lifted at Wembley was his his first. Yeah, with the career that he had, like you say, the players that he played with. So uh, no, like I say, he was a hard, hard man that uh, you wouldn't mess with back in the day. See, and you and I were talking about it on the the realms of kind of was he? I, I don't know. Maybe people might be able to email us in oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk of kind of where he kind of sits in regard of being a legend because what he achieved at the football club was remarkable. He led that team, a team that a lot of people have really fond memories of, but whether the 17, 18 years Albion of kind of counteracts it and whether it kind of becomes an even thing. Because I don't think he would ever become a kind of a, seen as a really a hero here, as much as I think he's a fantastic guy and clearly fantastic player. But for Albion, he is kind of a, a cult hero and a cult figure. And it got me thinking about cult figures jet here, absolutely. And for me, the guy who sat on the other side of this table, Mr. Jack Price absolutely fits the bill as being a cult hero for me. Well, I'm looking now and I'm just, I'm so envious of this beard. Like, yeah. I don't even shave. Like, I, I get the clippers out like once every like, three or four days and I only, it only comes like this little musketeer thing. Look at that, that's tremendous. That beard. looks like that could grow, Chris. No, be, I, I want that. I want, I'd have the skinhead and the big, look at that, it looks tremendous. It's I've good. got to say, fantastic. See, beard. I mean, the beard like plays a part good. of it. Like, for me, right, a cult figure is someone who is kind of your favourite player, but they're not necessarily the star. And I don't mean that in any detrimental way. You know I love you. Yeah. Um, they're not like the player who scores all the goals and kind of gets the man of the matches every week and stuff, but it's the player that you look at and kind of go, they like embody what you feel is important about the team. And for me, and I'm going to say this to him with him here, like someone who went out, gave their absolute all every game, like clearly really enjoyed playing and just when there was a celebration to be there, he's in the front oh, of it. Like, it's just, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, for me, like, looking at that team, and let's be honest, you didn't always play in a team that was hugely successful, did all right. Yeah, yeah. But, like, for me, you embodied that. That's kind of words. I appreciate that. Obviously, every time I put the, the wool shirt on, I uh, I give my all. And 
you know, it's nice to be remembered that I did give 100% every time I, I put the shirt on and, it, you know, I enjoy playing for this great football club. It's also weird because, like, I'm a lot older than he is as well, but he's still my cult hero in that respect. No, it's not. It's like I say, it's, I think you you come through the ranks, you get given that chance and, you know, it's, it's something that you've probably had your eye on for such a long period of time that you know that if you don't take your chance, then you go back down again. Exactly. And you yeah. have to wait time for it and you took the opportunity. Yeah, I was... I remember I think I was 20 so it was quite late really to get to get my chance it was in the league one season and I played a lot of games in that season it was obviously a great a great year for myself personally and, and the team and like you say you know, you know you've been there you, you get a chance you know you've got to take it because if you don't there's someone else waiting to take your place and I was thankful that I had you know a good few seasons under my belt here after that after that and the fans were great with me you know great for my family as well and stuff being a local boy and you know it meant a lot to you know play for this club um, we're going to talk a lot through because I, I, th- I don't think people realise sometimes that you know just how long you were at the football club really and the different levels that you kind of come through and we'll talk a bit about that um, when we get into our Facebook show as well. Just on the element of being uh, my cult hero, um, do you, did you ever really realise just how popular you were with fans? <clears throat> Probably not, no. Obviously, when I was leaving the club, I had a lot of messages on social media, and and then you probably realise how important maybe you were to to the fans. And you know, obviously, like you say, I'd been here a long time at this football club, and you probably you know take for granted a little bit that you know you do have such support, and you don't really realise it until it is time to move on. And it was nice to get you know every message I had was was positive, and you know it was it was emotional to you know see all this support I had during my time here and how much I meant to to the fans and probably as well how much they meant to me and it was great yeah did you see it as, as more pressure being a local boy did, did you feel that obviously the the fa- all fans at all football clubs they always think all right who's who's the who's the, the 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 local produce coming through and you're that man did you see that as an extra pressure? no I think at the time we had a, a lot of boys that had come through through the academy, there wasn't. There was, I think, one game we must have had six or seven yeah. academy graduates in, in one start in eleven, and so I probably wasn't just me. So probably didn't feel that extra pressure. But obviously, coming through as a local lad, I think it was a dream to play professional football, and I was thankful I got the, the chance at this at this football club. And you know, obviously, seeing that support was was great. But I didn't feel any any pressure, any extra pressure coming through now. Because I mean, he says local. I mean, oh, yeah. technically, it's true. Thirty right. miles down the road, still. I mean, how locals local? <laughs> that is true. Because, but you know, he was such a big part of it. Because it's like the um, when he walked in straight away, I was like, "All right, me mon." All right, mon. Mon. That's right, his mon. thing. Mon and my mate. My mate. All right, my mate. All right, my mate. <laughs> all right, mon. Yeah, no one gets that, do they? No. It's a Shropshire thing, I think. It's like, all right, mon. All right, all right, lad. <laughs> It's the same thing, isn't it? So I remember we did a video of um, when we first started the uh, Question Tankard, which was a really Me popular video. Uh, Joe, it was Pricey and Joe Mason were the first ones. It was kind of like a trial episode because we knew that Pricey would just be funny on it anyway. Um, and it looked completely different to all the other ones that we ever did on the thing because it was the two of them sat in the good. dressing room. And it was kind of, what's the word you say most? And he said, mon. mon. And Joe Mason's face... It's just like what? which I didn't understand really because he knows I've known him closely for the last few years and he knows that's my word. He It'll, knows that. He's just playing up to the camera. He was, I think. That's what it was. What was his word? 
I, I can't remember what his word was. He was weird in that, wasn't he? Yeah, but like, <laughs> oh, I was But it also came bad out boy. in the yeah. He called himself bad boy. <laughs> he said school. he was a, he said he was a bad boy at school, and his re- Price's reaction to it is just. Um, well, if you know he's... Joe, you know he's not a bad boy. Do you know what I mean? He's, <laughs> he's so clean it. cut. <laughs> he's a good lad. He used to wear a scarf around, didn't he? Harry Potter scarf. He had a Harry Potter scarf that he just wear randomly all around. It's that like he's not That's a bad him. boy in any shape, way, shape, or form. He's an odd character, isn't he? <laughs> he's a good lad. He's odd. He's so how are you? How are you finding your your time off? Then are you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, you just said you, you did now. say that you were gonna. You, if you had the opportunity, you would just jump straight back in and start playing, though. I did. So. Yeah. I, I mean, it's nice. I think this time is definitely nice to have a break. I mean, I come from. Last June, I'd started obviously pre-season here at Wolves, so I've gone through about 16, 17 months season. Yeah. So, you know, it was a long one. It wasn't just a, a 12-month thing, but, you know, I, I I do miss still training and playing. So I would I would definitely jump back in and I said if it were allowed to do that anymore, which is a shame. But, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I've got my off-season programme, which I've started already, which is, I think, last week I started that. And that takes us up until 15th of January when I've got a report back to, to Colorado and... That'll keep me ticking over, you know. It's like you don't yeah. tend to want to get involved in these off-season programs when you've got a bit of time off, but you know you need to now. It's it's not the case of doing nothing for six to ten weeks when you know you're going to come back and be miles off it. You've got to keep yourself ticking and be ready to go for next season. Do you think? Uh, do you think enough players? Like I, I went to Denmark when I was nineteen. I went to Germany when I was twenty-five. Uh, do you think enough players? do it because you need to go and play football that's the most important thing as a footballer is to play I don't understand players that can stay at a club and 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 not play regularly and I think that's so I hold my hands up to you and I give a round of applause but the the main objective is to come back 100% I've sort of used this as probably a stepping stone but I know I'm going to play every week which was which was great for me and like you say I sort of could have stayed here been part of maybe a promotion winning team but not really being part of it. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, on the bench here and there, maybe not on the bench, missing out on the 18. So I would, I felt like it was my time to, to go. And like you say, there's nothing worse than just watching football. You know, you want to be playing and, and it wasn't really America that grabbed me. It was just playing games. Like you say, it could have been anywhere in the world yeah. and I probably would have took it. So yeah, it was, it was important for me to go and play. I'm 25 now. I want to be playing every week. But you mentioned kind of staying in shape during your off season mm-hmm. now but like I mean you know you, you're in good shape thank you uh, you're welcome um, <laughs> but like because there was a period wasn't there where like um, you because you like to drink yeah as a youngster yeah you like to go out and have a good time and there was a period um, a couple of years ago when you kind of noticeably and we talked about it around mm. the training room where you were like I am getting into the best shape I can be yeah and you got lean. Yeah, I did. You know, obviously, you sort of get bad cr- crowds and stuff and used to, you know, when you're not playing, it's worse. You want to go and have a drink and, you know, forget about it. But I thought, I just said to myself, you know, I've got long in this career and I need to sort myself out, my family help me and stuff. And, you know, it's great now that, obviously, I am in better shape than I was. I was a little gerbil, wasn't I? <laughs> little hamster cheeks. And now when I was, a, what, I was probably about 20-year-old, 21. Yeah. You know, I'm getting older now. I'm, gr- I'm growing up. I think it's, you do learn, you know, and I've sort of just learned now. I've probably got 10 years left, maybe. If I could sneak 10 year, more years, I'd be happy. And it goes just like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm, I'm lean. 
it does. It does so like the pe- like the pennies. Obviously, it has to drop, and it, yeah. it is a very very short career. But like you say, you're switched on. I think you're doing everything in, in, in the right way. But like you say, you got to enjoy yourself as well. There's got to be a balance to yeah. it all. You know, I think uh, I remember here when we get when we got promoted to the the, the Premier League. I never touched a, a drop. I never ate a chocolate cake. Nothing. I came exactly. back with the the best shape that I have. I, I enjoyed the, the first ten days running. Of course, broke break my foot in in Perth in Australia. And I just remember four months without football, no matter what shape. So I think everything in moderation. There has yeah. to be a balance. You can't just say right, no to this and no to that. Well, yeah, I agree. Don't forget. I mean, he did enjoy himself. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Probably, yeah, but I'm just saying there's wasn't a... balanced. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Probably too much. There, enjoying myself. But... There is one that we might talk about later on on the podcast, which was um, just after the final game of the season, where there was a, a night out in. Well, that's the right time to properly enjoy that's yourself. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get yeah, on me. Really. There was a night out in Bridgenorth where I was getting a lot of calls and messages from a number of the players. You're not, you're not, not, not tag along yourself? No, 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 no. I, I like, I've, I've always had a kind of a rule that like, I mean, we've kind of broken it a little bit like from time to time and like I'd sort these boys out like nights out at the darts yeah, and stuff. Darts, but like yeah. always have a, almost a bit of a rule that like, God, there's got to be some separation. Like I'm mates with them and, yeah. and in, in many respects like Pricey's, Pricey, Dave Edwards and Connor Cody are probably the ones that I've broken my rule on in the last right, couple okay. of years where kind of and you know like you become closer to yeah. them and have more conversations yeah. and stuff but like not on the night out and they were trying to get me to come on this night out and we'll talk we about wanted it. him we'll talk about it it was a good night later on um, just to finish on this part of the podcast we've been asking people for their cult heroes and there was a shout a couple of shouts for you in there um, Jimmy Wolf said Mo Kamara by a mile the original Ella Covey uh, he'd put out there um, Mark Richard, Richards says loved Paul Cook had a couple of impromptu after match nights out with him as well <laughs> top fella I've still got a programme with his mum's autograph on it <laughs> what a night uh, Julie said Steve Kinden my hero when I was 12 no one else came close until Neves uh, Dan Ludo Pole was a big cult hero of mine as was Mickey Stahl Brian Soley says Dave Wagstaff should have played for England easily the best English winger at the time somebody else um, um, that wind, by the way, is terrible in the background. Um, somebody else mentioned Dave Wagstaff as well, by the way, and they said they were, he was their cult hero because they were waiting outside the ground for an autograph after a game and he came out with a cigarette in his mouth yeah. and they loved him, just how cool he was from that. Uh, Kevin Turner says, for me, it has to be George Dar. That goal against Newcastle in the third round of the FA Cup was one of the best goals I've ever seen in a Wolves shirt. Um, keep them coming. Old Gold Club at wolves.co.uk because, of course, it helps us try and track down different people who are their cult heroes I know Jackie Oatley has put one forwards about Neil Emblem who you know very well working with you at Colorado as well so oldgoldclubatwolves.co.uk and we will try and track down some of these people and get them onto the Old Gold Club podcast as well that would be absolutely brilliant don't forget uh, the show is coming next Wolverhampton Building Supplies is a one stop shop for all your building and DIY products Whether you're a professional builder or just looking to put a shelf up at home, they'll supply you with everything you need on time and at the best possible price, and they even do next day delivery. Best of all, their prices include VAT, so there's no awkward surprises at the checkout. So contact their dedicated trade counter team either at the yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk 
or just give them a call on 01902 500 140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows alongside me, Chris Owellamo. Our guest this week spent more than 10 years at Molyneux, working his way through the academy age groups to the first team, where he became a cult figure to many, including me, with his metronomic passing and his incredible beard. The club genuinely, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, isn't the same without him. A big, all right, my mate. To oh. Jack Price. <laughs> Welcome back to Molyneux. Thank you very much, Mon. I mean, the place doesn't look that different from when you left, to be honest with you. It doesn't here. I know a lot of things have changed since I've, you know, I left, but no, it looks the same. Do you miss it? A little bit, yeah, I do. Obviously, no, no player really wants to maybe move on when you realise it's time. It's hard to, you know, when you've been here this long, it's hard to uh, accept that it is time, you know, to, to go. And I probably saw myself staying here for the rest of my career if I'm honest and you know it hasn't worked out that way and that, that is life that's football and I'm grateful for the chance I've, I've got now in America and playing some football over there and you know trying to do my best can, oh sorry can you just explain obviously, obviously the fans will be in yeah a cult hero to, to a lot how does that actually feel you know as a player because you know what you're about you know how fit you are you know what you can bring to the dressing room on and off the pitch and it's not enough how how because it's as it's like when it must be so hard to accept but I guess looking at a fan from the outside they don't really understand we're all humans at the end of the day yeah. it's frustrating I think that's the, the main thing obviously you know you you give your all every time you're out there and it's frustrating to realise there's probably someone better than you that's playing in your position and rightly so deserves to you know be out there and you know it's obviously say the fans don't get to see this side it's, it's tough to take and I probably stayed a little bit longer maybe than I should have at that start of the season I was I had a great pre-season you know, when Nuno first came in and probably my best one as, as a Wolves player and we went to Austria, I did well, I was fit, I was ready to go and that first game against Middlesbrough at home, I wasn't even in the 18 and, you know, that was probably a sign that it was time to, to go and I stayed a little bit longer than maybe I should have and, but it, I think it was me probably not accepting the fact it was time to move on and mm-hmm. like I said before, I, I probably saw myself as a player that would be here for many more years and it just didn't quite work out and it's a shame but you know it. You know you move on, and yeah. in a way, you know when you talk about like accepting that someone else is better than you. In a way, like does it help that it was Ruben Neves, who was I like mean, a Champions League level midfielder coming into a Championship team? Of course, you you know you, you accept the fact there is better players, and Neves is you know his top qualities. He's going to move on to the biggest clubs in Europe, isn't he? You know, and you know it's still hard to accept the fact that I'm not playing and someone else is better than you because obviously you want to be the the best player and I wanted to be the best player for Wolves and but it's tough but when it is someone like Neves it's a lot easier to accept you know he's put in some great performances over the last 12 months and you know big clubs are talking about him so it, it's a lot easier um, we'll get to all of that I want you to go right back to the start because you would have been I can't imagine what age group you were are you going to come for my age though I'll tell you what this, you just, it's just from the start well this is what like, do you just write these just wake up in the middle of the night and just write them in your little pad beside your bed oh that's a good one I'll, I'll come for him come again for Chris again because well, no, when you were here as a player don't let me don't let me interrupt you carry on you take it where you are no gonna, no no, gonna no, no, no don't get upset when you when you were here as a player Jack was in the academy w- I'm, but I'm thinking you would have been. Something. Yeah, I'm thinking. <laughs> see, he's gone for you. Joking. Not me. He's gone for you there. Oh, I don't know what age it would have been. Yeah, because would you have crossed paths at any point? I think I would have been around the reserves 
youth team reserves when Chris would have been first team player. Maybe trained a couple of times. Uh, Maybe. You wouldn't remember me. I was just a little I just rat. remember, I remember Danny Bath coming yeah. through as a, a young boy and I remember uh, Mick McCarthy said, yeah, go go hard on him. Yeah. And he he loved every bit of it. And that was one of the things. So it's just the little moments that you remember. Because you know, down at, at down at the training ground, down at Compton, um, there's obviously there's the one part of the corridor we're going to talk about in a bit. But going up the steps uh, to the academy coaches dressing room, mm-hmm. it was all kind of the academy team photos, like big group photos, and it goes through the years and stuff. And there are some great photos of like you and Danny yeah. and some of the other guys that came through in that period. You can see them like right back to when you're like eight years old. I'm a bit disappointed actually. The one photo they have picked to put me on the wall is the one where I said we had a bit of weight gerbil cheeks <laughs> and it wasn't even a picture of me playing first team it was a reserve picture what so. do you learn from that always be ready exactly. always be yeah. ready I think he looks so weird without a beard by and the I have no beard yeah. he looks like Alex Bruce without Alex. a beard honestly well, I don't know about that Alex, that's about Ash, isn't it? honestly honestly I'm <laughs> not the only one that said that I'm not the only one that said that no I didn't I say Steve you... Bruce <laughs> Alex Bruce. Yeah, his yeah. son. Well, yeah. well, he's had his nose fixed because um, he headbutted my elbow uh, when we played Watford against Leeds and he actually got, he got uh, he got taken off but he thanked me on a night out. Um, he's a good friend, a friend of mine and he went and got his, his nose straightened and, and fixed. And you said I look like that. <laughs> yeah. He's just coming for this. You know what? Okay. I've just spent 20 minutes on the podcast telling everyone how you're my absolute hero. So just take it okay. that you said this. Anyway, so back to that. Um, before the beard, when you were a young boy coming through, talk to us about that group of people that you were coming through. What was the academy like at that time? It was great. Obviously, before my time, we had like Mark Davis, you know, them, them sort of players, Elliot Bennett, Kyle Bennett. They were three or four years above me. So I think seeing them progress to the first team, it was a case of me thinking, you know, if I, if I do want this and I, I want to go for it, it's, it's possible. And, you know, I, I was one of them at school that never really did anything else apart from play football and not even spend time with my mates. I'd rather just go to training and I was quite thankful I was here at a young age from, you know, eight years old and I didn't really have time to go out and play with my friends and I think that played a massive part in me eventually making it as a first team and, you know, it, it wasn't easy, you know. I thank my family and mum and dad especially for bringing me on these cold Tuesday, Thursday nights every week at Aldersley and if it wasn't for them I, I probably wouldn't have gone as far as I have and yeah, seeing them sort of players come through, Danny Bath as well, like you said before, and <clears throat> it made it real for me. And it, I could see watching in, in the stands, watching him play, that it's possible if I was to keep my head down and work hard that I could come and play for this club. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to kind of set yourself kind of realistic goals and you see players breaking through and, and doing well. What, uh, you know, the whole, the way, obviously that it's not all plain sailing, there was, there was difficult times. Is there ever a point that you felt that it wasn't going to happen because obviously like you say you have to come into the squad now and, and not just add to the depth it's the quality of the squad as well it was probably a little bit earlier than when I made it into the first team where I think I was 15-16 I'd just got uh, my scholarship mm-hmm. and I had to move into digs for two weeks because obviously I was getting the train every day and it wasn't possible for me to keep doing that So and then there was a time where I remember I think it was Kev Felwell who was the academy director at the time me and my dad had a meeting with him and they said listen we want Jack to stay and I was like dad I don't don't think I want to do this anymore and they were like well just see how you go you know stay in digs for two weeks give it and probably no one really knows about this and so I stuck with it and eventually I, you know I started enjoying it more and I then got a car so it was easy for me to travel in I probably didn't really enjoy digs that much so I, was, I did my test as soon as I could and 
that was hard times and I remember there was a, a bloke John Trollope who was my under 16s coach so I wasn't going to get a scholarship if it wasn't down to him they said I was going to be too small and never big enough to never strong enough which I used to get all my all my career when I was a young boy and John said no listen he'll he'll be a good player just give him time give him a couple of years and they give me a scholarship and you know I haven't really looked back from there and I had a good two years you know I was out for nine months my first year as a scholar I was, had a hip surgery and that was tough but then yep. the second year come back and I think it maybe probably wanted wanted it more being out for so long mm-hmm. and realising that there's probably nothing else in life I could do apart from play football and it was either that or work with my dad as a mechanic and I wasn't really cut out for that outside of the, of the world so yeah it was it was tough times as a as a youth team player but I got through that and you know, I was thankful to but that, that's that's probably put you in a in a good position probably mentally uh, for for whatever's going to come in your career you know that, that 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 prepares you for that I agree yeah obviously even the things where you have to go into digs for two weeks you know it makes you a stronger person now obviously I'm living on the other side of the world so I think if I didn't do that I definitely would not have took this opportunity and I think it's it's made me a better person mm-hmm. you know I've, I've grown up as a as a man and that's only helped by experiencing what I am out in America and you know, enjoying life now. Because Looms has touched on it a little bit before that um, you found it tough at quite a few times. There were moments, you know, after you've you've got in the team and then you're not quite in it, and then you had to go out on loan for a couple of times and came back, and even then, kind of never seemed like you were fully settled and integrated into it. Yeah, and I, I feel that as well. I feel, especially it was. The year after we got promoted from League One, I got sent out on loan to Yeovil for a month and then Leighton Orient for another month. But it never crossed my mind that I'd never not come back and play here. I still felt like I had a massive part to play at the club. And But it always seemed, when the team was struggling a little bit, that's when they would sort of, you know, chuck me in and steady the ship. And I wanted probably a little bit more than that, you know, a consistent game time, you know. I wanted to be an important player, and I, and I was important squad player probably more than the first 11 but I sort of just I got comfortable I I allowed that to be what I was and I probably should have maybe knocked the manager's door a few more times than I did and, and say listen you chuck me in when times are hard just give me a run of five games and if that's not enough that's not enough but I can guarantee you that I, I will you know I'll, I will shine and, and be you know one of the first on the team sheet but I mean, looking back at it now, it'd be the first thing I did if I got dropped for a performance that wasn't up there, but it wasn't too bad. I still felt like I was did enough to be out there the week after. And it was probably easier to drop someone like myself who'd come through the academy and not been someone they'd brought for a couple of million. It, I understand that, but now I've grown up and I've got more experience now. And you know, if Colorado, if the gaffer was to drop me, you know, now I'd be straight on that door and, and knocking it. And that's what managers like as well. I think you've got to. I think yeah. no matter no matter what age you are, I think you should always... I was going to ask you there, uh, when you go on loan to Yeovil and later on, what was the dialogue like? You know, Because I, I was in the exact same position yeah. at Wolves. I got sent out to, to Bristol City, but I'm on the phone to Mick McCarthy all the time because yeah. I was sent out to get myself fixed. I was playing catch-up because I broke my foot earlier. Okay. So and I think, how was that dialogue when you were out the team and when you were going on loan? Because it's it serves a purpose for the club and for yourself. You're getting minutes... But like you say, when times when things got hard, you were the person that they brought back to go in yeah. and, and steady the ship. I remember Kenny Jacket pulling me after training one day and saying, listen, we think it's going to be good for you. You know, you're not really in the plans at the moment. 
which I wasn't. I wasn't playing. I wasn't even on the bench. And he said it'd be good for you to go, you know, go down to Oval and have a month, you know, play five or six games, keep your fitness up, and then you know come back if you know if you wanted. And so I knew I was going there, like you say, for a purpose. It wasn't just yep. them just getting rid of me. It was, it was me and to grow up a little bit because. Like I say, I was comfortable here. I had never been on loan, never moved from home. So that as well, and Yeovil's a good three and a half hours away, you know, yep. it's in the sticks. So that, I think, being under Gary Johnson, Gary Johnson, sorry, at the time, and that was tough. You know, he was a, he was a solid manager. He was a strong person, personality. And that was probably, it was a tough time because it was a lot of players in that dressing room that would give you a hard time if you weren't performing. Whereas here, at the time, it was, I was a lad that come through probably say I was a young lad you know he'll develop but when you go on loan that just goes out the window no one they expect you to be the best player you know I've come from yeah. Wolves I'm at Yeovil and then I go to Leighton Orient they? You know, they had some big players they had uh, the striker Henderson there big boy Darius yeah. Henderson they had Joby McEnough players like this big characters you know big, big leaders and so I had to I had to jump straight into it and and sort of grow up I did yeah would you say that's Good man management then from Kenny then because he said to you look not in the plans at the minute but go get your games and if you want to come back so he's basically saying to you it's up to you up to you yeah I think it's great management you know I think they should do that more at clubs and I come back I think it was the end of November when I think Wolves had lost four or five in a row uh, well I got to hear they lost five in a row they hadn't won for six I remember having a missed call off Kenny and thinking oh, please please be calling me back do you know what I mean I I injured my foot at Orient so I was out for a month so I was hoping. This was my time, and so I got that call. I rang him back. He said, well, "Pricey, we need you to, you know, come back and steady the ship." And, and I did. And I had the rest of that season. I played a lot, and we just missed out on the playoffs yeah. that year. And that was one of probably one of my best seasons in a wool shirt, apart from the League One winning season. Well, including cup games, they you actually went the next ten matches unbeaten yeah. when you come back. So you went from six games without a win, five defeats on the bounce to being unbeaten in 10 and there was a penalty shootout defeat in the cup in that but yeah. in the the actual games were kind of drawn in that setup. so you know what an impact yeah but that's what what that does for you you know you've got the missed call you, you already you're hoping what it is but having to say what we need you back yeah you walk into it you do you do don't you and you that's do, straight yeah. away you're just bossing it and you're feeling back in your in your groove it's it's, it's weird you do you, you're walking in you're you know your head's high and your chest is pumped out and you're thinking these lads are confidence is a bit low they've lost five and or one in five and I thought you know what it's my time to, to step up and obviously say we went unbeaten in, in ten games and it, I was probably a, a key part of that at the time and I would like to see myself as well as a bit of a bit of a joker you know around the around the place which is needed exactly and I think that was important at the time as well the lads were down so to come back and obviously the players I see a familiar face and Know, they could have a crack with me I think that that also helped around the around the, the training ground do you think that sometimes though that might have played against you a little bit that you were too good for morale purposes but you, as you say you weren't always knocking on the manager's door saying put me in the team I didn't really give the managers enough you know headaches in terms of playing time I was I got comfortable I was like you say they see me as a I've got good morale I'd never moaned if I wasn't really playing I was always happy happy to be here and I think that did, you know, that was a negative effect on on me getting more game time. Probably, yeah, I just accepted the fact it was. I was here, you know, I was part of a great club, but I was never really pushing myself to, you know, be out there every week. But no, that probably did play a downfall on my on my career. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, you did have an amazing partnership with Kevin McDonald, mm. though. Loved it, to play with him. Loved it. 
because he too is a bit of a character. Yeah, we were is that why? Pals, yeah, is that why it worked? Probably. Yeah, we were just as close on the pitch as we were off the pitch. You know, we'd we'd have nights together. We'd you know we'd have food and stuff together off the pitch, and they were probably my best days as a Wolves player playing with him. You know, obviously he's gone on now to be Premier League regular for Fulham, and you know everyone could see his quality, but. Me and him just sort of worked. I could let him go and do what he wanted if I was, you know, covering for him. If he was to give the ball away, and, you know, I'd win it back for him and give it him again. And it was just that partnership we had on the pitch. You could tell we had a, a close one off off the pitch as well. How how important is that? You know, it's funny because Ali touched on it last week about relationships with players and team bonding and going and doing things. How important is that that you do get on off the pitch and on the pitch because. Funny enough, I'll throw Silva into the match again. Yeah, yeah. Me and Silva never spoke for two months when I was sitting in front of him in the goal scoring charts. Yeah. When he got <laughs> when he got the one goal in front of me. It was, he all, right, all right, Lums. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's what made Silva different. That's what made him yeah. that goal go get. So how important is are those relationships? I think like you say there, it's as long as you've got a good relationship on the pitch, sometimes it doesn't really matter, I don't think, off the pitch. But I think for me and Kev, it was important that we got on off the pitch because if I was to do something bad you know give the ball away and they have a chance of a score a goal if he was to bollock me I wouldn't I wouldn't take it too personally do you know what I mean yeah. but if it's someone I didn't really get on with or didn't like you'd chirp back or do you know what I mean so it probably is it probably is key them sort of relationships so like I say I could know, I could say whatever I wanted to him he could say it back that'd be it after the game go for a beer whatever forget about it have a laugh be the same but if it was someone you didn't really get on with you'd probably hold it you know, hold a grudge against yeah. them, and you couldn't wait until they didn't made a mistake, so yeah. you could go and go and hammer them. But I suppose that's part and parcel. But you can't like everyone, I suppose. But no, you can. But yeah, because the way that partnership worked, like, and it it kind of had different elements to it at different times. Like in League One, obviously, you were playing against different levels of yeah. teams and different things, and there was obviously, you know, you'd sometimes have Lee Evans playing in the 10 role sometimes whose job was to just run around a lot otherwise it was Dave Edwards and then in that period in the championship it was like it just we've talked before on this podcast about um, when we had Scott Goldborn in and we were talking about Sacco Phoebe Dicko and then Henry or Van Lepara but for you two in the middle of it were almost as as important because you played it short Kev could go long Mm. What made that so good, I think me and Kevin in the middle, it was easy. Our job was the easiest playing with them sort of players. You know, when you, all we had to do was get the ball, give it to Sacco, give it to James Henry, Van La Parra, Dicko, Afobi, all these players. And you knew they were going to go and do something special. And it might have took them 80, 85 minutes to wake up some games, but you just knew if you get that ball out to Sacco and he's got a chance to let rip, he's, he was going to, he was going to score. And for me and Kevin, it was, it was, well, for me, I'm speaking now personally, it was, that was the easiest job I've ever had in a wool shirt. Get the ball, give it to them, win the ball back. It was it was as simple as that. And obviously, I've still got to do my bit in terms of getting the ball to them. But once I did, all I had to do then was show it up in the midfield. I could even let Kev go and, and do what he liked and join in with, you know, with the the Fab Free. And they were great to play with. They were, honestly, they in training they do things that you think, oh, I wish I had that pace, that strength, that skill. But then looking back on it doesn't make you who you are as a player and you can't really say oh, I want that I want this you you play to your strengths and your weaknesses and they were fun times at Wolves you know it was a shame they had to move on in the end because I think we'd, if we'd kept them players it would we could have pushed on even more we're talking about scoring goals 
this guy's trying to take your first goal for the club off you. Talk, talk to me about this. Look at me. He knew what was coming. He's tried that for years. Yeah. Explain yourself, Mikey, or Digger. Like, look, right. <laughs> so, for people who might not have seen this, it was a game against Watford when well, we were flying at the time. We were pushing towards getting towards the playoffs and I think they're coming back from 2-0 down in the game we've just been watching it I was showing Looms on the video of it you don't see it as much so Courtney Hawes who's a young kid has not long gone in got into the team I remember at Watford away he's he's has an awesome shot that comes back off the crossbar and I'd spoken to Courtney and he talked about what it would mean to him to actually get a goal so as this corner gets cleared out he strikes it from distance and it's a great hit and it deflects off someone's backside and goes into the back of the net. And Courtney obviously has this amazing moment, like the high and low of football, where he thinks he scored this glorious goal and then he looks up and sees he's running away to celebrate. Can I ask you one thing? Was Courtney's shot going on target? Uh, maybe. Do you, do you think when it left Courtney's foot that he knew where it was going? At the time, I thought he knew where it was going. It, hit, it came off, it came off me. and still went into the keeper's yeah, but left. You can't yeah. claim it. It came off your bum. You weren't even Chris, not Chris watching. No. I tell you what, I've claimed, I've claimed that. goals that never even touched me. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 the, I feel the air go by my face and I'm running to the corner. She's running off doing the shearer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad Chris is here today because <laughs> you've been at that for years. Years you have. Yeah, yeah. Take it that was my first goal. Exactly. You can see the way I celebrated. How much it meant to me. I don't cult care hero, what Courtney. Yeah, but that's that's part of what how we became the cult hero because it, it was the whole Lion King celebration yeah, as well. Me up, yeah. yeah, it was great. And obviously, like I said, that was my first goal. So I don't really care if Courtney wants to claim it. He knows it come off me. But like at the time, because the way you celebrated it, you were fully claiming that goal straight away. Well, right? I knew it hit me. So, you just, so as soon as he hit me, just, what, I was like, what's the keeper doing? In the, yeah, what's he doing? And it threw him off, didn't it? Because he went like that, off his finger and in. He would have caught that. <laughs> I'm telling you now, first goal for Wolves, that was. What a Brilliant. moment. What a Definitely moment. class. Um, you did score another goal, which, again, I've been showing looms, which was a proper goal this time. Yeah. Um, away at MK Dons. And it, it, it made me laugh so much because... Looms, we had this thing where people would always message in ahead of the game their predictions for it. And there was me, and there was a, a fan at the time uh, who was called, his Twitter handle, I think, was One Simple Tom. And he was a student who lived in London. And he listened to all the games. And me and him were effectively the Jack Price fan club. Hmm. And we would always, if people ever asked me what my prediction was before a game, I'd always say 3 0 Jack Price hat trick. <laughs> Taking a mickey out of me, because <laughs> nah. and we'd we'd had conversations for months beforehand about what um, celebration Pricey would do if he ever scored another goal, which was uh, to do with darts because mm. you're a massive darts yeah. fan. We used to talk about darts a lot. So if he ever scored, he was supposed to do like a 180 dart celebration, you know, da, 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 like all the way through. So he scores. He's running towards the corner flag. I'm going mental on commentary, and I'm thinking, "This is the moment. Here it comes." And he didn't do it. I'm sure the reason little, I didn't a do it. knee slide came out. It, it was. Like, oh. fair, I had a little pat on the badge as well. Oh, I'm glad I didn't kiss it. <laughs> but uh, you know, Chris knows as well. In that moment, it's the best feeling in the world. And sometimes, especially for me, I don't score many, so I wasn't sure really what to do. A little knee slide, a little pump for the chest, and everyone was here celebrating with me. So I do apologise for not doing that. Because it wasn't your job, really, was it? No, I don't, I, to be honest, to this day, I cannot tell you why I was in the box. I think we broke from a corner. 
And I must have just thought, it was. I think we had about five or six lads running. I thought, you know what, I fancy myself here. And the ball's come across, it's got a little nick off Alfie and then just there just to tap it in and 2-1 win. MK Don's away. It was, that was a big win for us, actually. It was, yeah. Because we were flirting with the, the bottom then and got us up a couple of places. It wasn't a great season. That wasn't. That, that was, like we touched on before about, I think we had four games at home, didn't we, where we drew nil-nil and we just couldn't score. And, you know, when you can't score goals, it's... You know, it's never great and we were conceding too many and us you know, we did well in the end not to probably not go down but be a bit safer than we were in that time and we had a couple of seasons, didn't we, where we mid table ish and not, you know, hard times, but it was it was tough to play in them them teams as well. I was just gonna ask, you know, in those times where you like you say you find that hard to score with the quality that you've got. Yeah. But what what is it because like, you're sitting saying well that's not part of my game getting the goals what what do you do then differently about yourself because like, like, you can keep it ticking over yeah. keep getting on the ball the passing but then do you take that, a certain responsibility on you know, I'm, I'm going to let one go here or yeah you, no exactly that I thought my game was never to get in the box or to score goals that's never never been my game even though I'd, I'd like it to be more but it was times where you're thinking to yourself I'm going to have to step up here I'm going to have to maybe try and chip in with a few goals but it was never it was never my game and you know I maybe had a few shots that probably sailed over behind my shoulder and into the stand but yeah it was tough I think it was more tough for the strikers you know as yourself if you're having a spell where you're not scoring goals you're thinking when's the next one going to come mm-hmm. but when it does you know they, you get back to free flowing you know scoring and but that was it was that was tough for every player we had no confidence going into games you know we, we were coming here thinking well we're not going to score so if we can keep a clean sheet we're going to get a point and it, it was a bad way of you know looking at it but and then when, once you do get that, when we did get that first goal, we thought, you know, what, we we're definitely going to keep a clean sheet because we, you know, we pride ourselves at the time and yeah. being solid at the back. And we, when we were, to be fair, and you know, four nil nils at home wasn't great for the fans. We were getting booed off at half time, and which rightly so, you know, they pay great money to to watch us, you know, and entertain them really. And we weren't we weren't doing that at the time. Um, there is loads more that we're going to talk about on the podcast, including, of course, the epic performance at Man City mm. in the League Cup as well, and kind of how you forced your way back into the plans when it looked like you might have been leaving that summer. We always try and finish our Facebook show with uh, what we call the rundown, uh, which is slightly quick fire. Um, <coughs> and I think this is going to be interesting. The best player that you played with at Wolves? Kevin McDonald. The worst trainer at the club? Grant Holt. <laughs> you speak to him, he, he would tell you now. In training, runs around, has a laugh, not really asked. Goes and scores actually on a Saturday. But that's him, and that, that, he's a great lad. Um, who was the biggest moaner? James Henry. Oh, God. If he wasn't picked on a Saturday, he would let you know. He would go in, he, well, he would be knocking the manager's office to start with, but yeah, James Henry. Moaned everything. <laughs> Who is your best friend in football? Best friend? Kev McDonald and, and Joe Mason, to be fair. You know, I've spent the last few years with Joe and, and he was in America for a little bit with me and yeah, Joe was, Joe was up there with Kev, yeah. Um, who had the best and the worst dress sense? The best, Barry Douglas. He did, he did didn't he? He did, didn't he? he give it a right bash every, every day. <laughs> Mate, he turned up to training like he was on a night out. But you'd say to him, where are you going after this, Barry? You go, oh, I'm just going home. I'm like, well, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt and flip-flops. What are you doing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then the worst. <laughs> Could be Ethan Ebanks-Landau, you know? Yeah. With his Ugg slippers. 
or Aaron McCary. Oak slippers. He used to wear his oak slippers in. You know Ethan, he was very laid back. Yeah. He? yeah, Ethan. Okay. Yeah, Who was the, the funniest player that you played with? Kev. Kev yeah. McDonald, yeah. Hands down. Is there anything that you can tell us that he did that's clean enough to go on this show? He used to do something at the training ground at breakfast with his eggs. He used to get an egg. I, I can't really think what he used to do with it. And It was like an egg trick, he said, and he'd, he'd chuck it in the air or something and he'd catch it and it first time he did it he's launched it in the air and he's just boshed up on his head and it's just come down on his face I'm thinking what are you doing like it's just weird that's probably the cleanest one yeah okay yeah we'll save some of the, the rest best. for the podcast yeah, yeah. and we'll, we'll put them on and see if we can have to edit out bits of them um, who was the best manager that you worked for in your time that's a tough one because there was quite a lot I mean even I when you were first making it through you know what I'm going to say Kenny Jacket because he gave me a chance in first team football you know it, it was that season when he come in and that you know he, he gave me my chance to play so I owe him everything really and he was a, he was a great manager as well as well as that yeah next question is that what's the best goal you scored so for the importance of it well it's got me the one in Colorado last year hasn't it <laughs> not for Wolves this year. in your Wolves time oh, um, what, or, or you can add in I've got many have I <laughs> That you can, if, if you don't want to pick one of the two, the one that went in off your bum or the tap in from six yards, you can you can pick a goal that you saw scored. That I've got to do the, the tap in. For. It's a proper goal. I've kicked it. That Go one's on. your first. I've kicked yeah, it. But that's just hit me, and it really. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I did. I did shimmy it a little bit. I did shimmy it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just love the fact that the best goal you've scored is that you went. It's a proper goal. I kicked it. <laughs> I kicked it. Four yards out. <laughs> Open goal. Um, just to finish, and we'll do the rest on the podcast extra. What was your proudest moment at Wolves? That's a really good question. Obviously, my debut, my my first start with Sheffield United at home, got man of the match. It's probably my proudest. I had my on my whole family here, and I did. I played really well, and also, you know, picking up that League One trophy the same season was a highlight. I remember having a picture after with my dad's got the medal around his neck and. That was nice to see. Obviously, they're very proud of me and that'll stick with me forever, yeah. Definitely that season, yeah. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Um, We've got a couple of our rundown things, I think, to finish in just a moment or so. Um, I feel a bit guilty because... We joked about it beforehand, and then Loomis brought it up, and people are going to watch that Facebook show and think that I genuinely have been taking the mickey out of you for that goal. Yeah, I agree. But they don't see you agree. I, I agree as well. No, like because we talk about it a lot. We used to talk a lot, didn't we? Like around the training. I've seen you for a year. I know. Yeah, that's the point. I do message him from time to time <laughs> yeah, he does, though. To be fair. When he scored, when he scored his goal um, for Colorado, and I was like, I was like, I can't believe you missed that. Can't believe I wasn't there for that moment. That was a banger, as well, wasn't it? <laughs> it was the a good goal. Is, did he do his, uh, the celebration? Uh, he just, no, he didn't. I think I blew a kiss to my girlfriend. So you tap the badge, going your knee the last time, now you blow the, the, the missus a little kiss. Oh, that's I'm getting lovely. used to this goal scoring now. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy, that. Um, we kind of talked about your proudest moment, which was really nice and stuff. The one that we missed out was, what was the best game? that you were involved in it's got to be that 6-4 here yes oh you know what no no, it isn't oh sorry Leeds 
at home, 4-3, Dave Edwards header to win it. That got us in the playoffs, I think, that yeah. day. Yeah, that was a Easter Monday. Yep. On the, on the Saturday, we we've gone to one Forest. Up. We talked about this with Scott Goldborn the other yeah. week because I asked a lot of fans to message in kind of um, the greatest game that they'd kind of watched. And that kind of comes up from time to time as well. I mean, yeah. Man, the Man City game, though. I mean, I know that you ended up losing on penalties, but we've got to talk about it because for you guys at that period, so Nuno has come in and, you know, a lot of us thought you were going to leave. Yeah. And I remember when you guys came back from the preseason trip to Austria, like all the word was that like, tell me what, Nuno is well impressed with Jack Price, you know. Like, you know, because you've gone about it, yeah. you were professional, you've done the role and you fitted yeah. the way you wanted to play. Obviously, you were the backup option, but <clears throat> the way that all of you guys went in that cup run and especially because Man City, nobody had stopped Man City scoring. Yeah. At that point. It's true. That was an amazing night. Even though you didn't win, it was an amazing night. It was a weird one because... You know, you say how, how good of an achievement that was. I know we lost on pens and keeping them to to not scoring and and we should have really won that game, to be fair, in, in normal time and extra time. But because we didn't have a lot of the ball, it didn't really feel like we were doing anything, if that makes sense. It's like we were sort of part of the bus, even though we had a lot of chances still. Especially for me, I think I probably touched the ball 10 times, 20 times in a, in a game where I'm used to having it 50, 60, whatever. So for me, it was like it was a, it was a weird one because we were just working so hard for each other and probably proving a point that we can do a job if if needed and not just proving to the manager, proving to yourselves that you know we can do it at the best, at the best level. I think, I think that's it. You know, I think learning all the time, knowing that you know what when you do get the ball for that small amount, you have to make sure that you're you're the right decisions at the right moments. Uh, but you come away from that match taking so so many positives, don't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Obviously, like you say, no one could really stop Man City at the time from scoring, and yeah. it's not like they had a that weekend of a team out as well. They had some good stars out there, and you know that that was for us. That was very very proud of of the boys that day. They put in a great shift, and on another day we would have won that. And you know it's a shame we didn't. But even leading up to that game, we'd gone to Southampton, same bunch of lads, and won two nil. The lads that weren't really involved in in the league matches, and so that was another another big step for the boys that weren't involved, and it just showed that the squad depth was there, and if needed, you know, you were ready to to put in a shift in. Um, we talked a little bit, obviously, in the show about um, the way that you kind of kept on having to prove yourself, really, and that was very much evident in when Walter Zenger arrived because you'd gone through Kenny doing it. Mm. Walter arrives and kind of originally you weren't massively in the thoughts and obviously Evo got injured which helped but I yeah. think you already started that Blues game anyway I think yes I think I, yeah I think I was already starting that um, and then obviously Prince Onyange and Romain Saïs came in and there was a big turnaround and there was a lot of midfielders a lot yeah at the time um, and then Paul Lambert comes back in and again you were back in and in that winning run yes you are in the team and then you kind of Drifted back out again. Mm, it's it was a weird period when Walter Zenger had, had took over for me personally. I didn't think I fit the way he wanted to play, and I, I sort of knew that he wasn't. I wasn't really for him, which is fine. You know, managers have their their players that he brought in. He obviously wanted to play them instead, which is you know I can't can't argue that. But obviously, I felt like I'd have been doing a better job at the time than some of the lads did. And and then obviously Paul Lambert coming in, the first thing he said to me 
was Jack, you need to you need to be playing. And I think it was Preston away the first yeah. game, and I, I hadn't played for a couple of months probably by then. So I was thinking, I can't I can't do ninety minutes here. Like I'm not going to be fit enough. And you get through it, and you think, you know, I was I was at the point where I was thinking, if Lambert didn't come in, I could have easily left the club then. You know, that January probably, and it was probably you know for me it was it was great that Zenga had had left and. Paul Lambert had come in because Paul was great for me. You know, had a few problems off the field as well. What his time at the at the club and you know he really supported me and he he gave me that confidence again. He you know he was I was probably up there with one of his favourite players at the time. You know, on on the training pitch, he'd have a laugh with me. I'd have a laugh back, and that was a it was a critical period for me in, in my career. And he he just made me you know believe in myself again. And I had a you know I played some great football under him and. I was very thankful that he'd come in and you know believed in what I could do. You said uh, time and time again, you just want like you wish you'd said oh, to Kenny or oh, give me just five games on the and he did. He brought you back and put you in and, and you delivered. In that time there, when Walter Zenga and you're saying there, okay, Paul's through you in. I'm not going to get through in eight minutes. Would you say that you'd done everything in your power to make sure that if that did, if it did, because you don't know what's around the corner in football. True. Everything in your power. That if it did come, you'd take it because obviously you you did go and take it, or was it a little bit of just adrenaline? Probably adrenaline that got me through. If I'm honest, you know, I probably wasn't looking after myself the best mm. at those times. It was I was a bit down. The fact I was I knew I was nowhere near it with with Zenga, and, and that's no matter how you played, how you no, trained. It just that, the, some managers fancy you, some some don't, and that happens. And no matter what I did, and I thought I, I got frustrated in the end. I sort of going into training thinking there's no point in me even trying my best or trying to be the best because it mm-hmm. won't make a difference yeah. and you know it, it, was, it was a shame and then I probably let myself go a little bit in terms of off the field and it, thankfully you know once Paul come in he, but I think I was probably at that time I was probably too far gone off the field that on the field it didn't really you know I wasn't probably focused enough on that mm-hmm. even though Paul come in and I, I had a good Christmas playing and I was quite regular at the time and then after Christmas I sort of you know, I wasn't I wasn't focused enough, and you know it's probably cost me in the end that season not playing every game under him, and he'll be the first to, to tell me that. And I know I probably let him down at times, but it was important for me. I spoke to him the other day, and you know he he says it's great great to hear off you and all this. So, and he understands. You know, I was going through things myself, and but it was the team was struggling. That point, the team was struggling. Yeah, the team was struggling, and he know. couldn't really from the outside. It didn't seem like he could settle on what pairing he wanted yeah that's true I think it's hard for managers as well when you you know the team's struggling again we were right down the bottom I think the turning point was I think Brentford away we yeah. won 2-1 didn't we two late goals and after that we went on a bit of a run and you know we were safe then but I mean we had a good FA Cup run that year but in the league we just weren't weren't really at it and we had I think it was John Daddy Bud Varson up top at the time and he, you know, he wasn't firing mm. he wasn't scoring us the goals and you know, once we talked about it when Kenny was manager, when you're not scoring goals, it's it's tough to pick up results. But no, Paul did well with I think what what he had at you know at his disposal. Because um, it's that thing, isn't it? And I don't know whether you find this different because you were the striker and you know you went through your periods and stuff. It's that when you're in the position that you're in and the team is not firing and you're not scoring goals, but it's not necessarily your job to do it, and you're looking around. Do you get frustrated? That'd be the easiest thing to blame the strikers, but it's you know there's eleven lads out in the field. If 
we go and lose a game 2-0 it's not because the strikers haven't scored you know we've let two goals in as well it's easy to for my job it's easier to blame the defenders and the strikers because I'm in the middle so it's like well why are you letting these goals in why are you not scoring so it's, it's easy for me to do that but you know we never once did that we're, we're you know we're a collective bunch out there and we know if it hurt us as much as it probably hurt the strikers and the defenders for conceding goals and not scoring goals but they were just it was just tough times and you know we we had, you know, leaders in the end that, you know, got us through it. You know, big teams at the back, you know, fantastic. And players like Danny Bath, you know, they, they get you through it in the end. And we just had enough. Just had enough that year. Would you say it's their, their performances they went out and led by example? Because it's, it's something that's come up uh, week in, week out on, on the podcast about the camaraderie of, of the group. Yeah. Was there not, were, they, were they players doing a lot away from the football? I mean, off the pitch. I mean, in the dressing room, team bonding was... You know, because it's difficult times you yeah. do need it. I think it should happen when the, the when the team's flying. flying. I think these days should still happen because it does bring the 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 group the, as a collective together. Yeah, we did to fair with the team bonding. We did a, a few things when the times are hard, and but I'd say more so in the dressing room. You know, we'd have a few meetings where it, where it'd just be just players, <laughs> and you could have some home truths. So the players took it upon themselves. Yeah, they did. Yeah, fantastic. Danny, Carl. You know, they're fantastic for me growing up. Being in a change room with them sort of characters, it was it was big for me. So now I'm taking that into the changing room over in Colorado now where I can learn from what they've they've given us we've had tough times this year and uh, I'd like to think I stepped up and you know been a big leader in there and a big character and they were they were massive in that in those times Dave Edwards as well also he was he was great because you mentioned earlier <laughs> regarding something slightly else but Grant Holt hmm. there is a famous one where um, I was outside the dressing room after the game at Sheffield Wednesday just before Christmas in 2015, where we lost 4-1. Four, four, one, yeah. And things were looking really bad at the time. Yeah. And I think there was me, maybe Josh from our media team and a few of us, we stood out, like dressing room door was shut. Yeah. No one was coming out, no warm downs, no yeah. post-match interviews at that point. And so the story goes, it was Grant that, like Kenny Jacket said, look, you just talk about it yourselves. Yeah. And it was Grant that took it upon him to yeah, start he did. it off. And I think... It was like I say. Obviously, he was the worst trainer in terms of he was a good joker, but he would, but he would perform for you on a Saturday. And I think because he was a little bit older than a few of the lads in the dressing room at the time, he probably felt it was upon him to step up and say, "Listen, you know, we've got a few months left of the season. We need to stick together," and which was good. But he, he was he was good like that. He was, it was, it was a weird one. He wasn't really a leader. In such like he'd probably you wouldn't go to him if you had maybe a problem, but mm. when he spoke, he listened. And I think that comes with his experience and his age. And, and, and you've won the next four games. Exactly. So, well done to Grant for that. <laughs> if it wasn't for him. But it saved no, the season. Right. It did, yeah. It was looking bleak, wasn't it, at the time. And, yeah, we. but at the end of the day, all you can do is stick together, and, and we did that. It's those kind of key moments, pivotal moments, that can turn a season, that can unite a group sometimes. No, definitely. I think... Uh... As Pricey said, there Grant was he was a laugher and a joker, but you know when he spoke, he's he's been around the game long enough that he spoke sense. And to be fair, I think the the right thing is togetherness, and that's what gets you through. The, everyone knew each other, having the little nibbles. It's part and parcel of the game, but you know it doesn't get you anywhere. It's not productive. So again, like you say, what 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 kind of I think it's needed and doesn't happen enough is that the players take responsibility 
for their own. You know, it doesn't yeah. need to be a staff or the manager or whoever assistant come in and say, right, you need to do this. The players should do it. And that's, I talk about the group that we had. We took it upon ourselves. You know, we had, we had like, you, you talk about leaders in dressing room. We had so many that, that opinionated. Yeah. And uh, and you need that you need that in every dressing room and that that's 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 what drives you on if you're in difficult times to go on and uh, and, and 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 change your your, your fortune. Um, one of the things that brought the dressing room together quite a bit was Jack Price, was you and the kind of character you were around the place. And I distinctly remember the day that you had to have your beard shaved. Yeah. Oh, what is this? I have never seen like Regretted the that. joy in so many players' faces Everyone. in that dressing room at Compton. I wish I'd made that bet. It was, it was the one that came off my backside, the goal. I said if I was to score, I'd shave my beard off. And as soon as I, I was celebrating, I come off the game and I thought, I wish I hadn't scored. Do you know what I mean? I wish I hadn't hit me. Because, <laughs> oh, I looked so bad. I looked I looked awful. And I think, was it Kevin McDonald, was it? Start steaming. Yeah, didn't Bakary take over? He took over. I think they, so they started it. And the battery went. So I'd lost a big patch in my beard. And so they charged it up and I went again. Oh, you should have seen it. I had big, long sideburns. No no tash, no beard. But yeah, the, the players enjoyed that. And probably at the time, <laughs> I was there for a laugh when I... I was there to keep the morale up. And uh, no, it was... They were good times, though. They were good times. Because the beard came back straight away. You didn't shave it the second time you scored. No chance. I wouldn't make that bet again. <laughs> Ever. You couldn't even lay one on me now, mate. I would not be accepting that bet, I swear. Are you going to keep the beard forever, then? I think so. I mean, my girlfriend likes it. Well, that's, so that's, 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 that's it, it isn't it? I suppose if she probably said, it's got get rid of that body. Because there's, fa- there's a famous one as well, um, where I think it was away at Burnley, and Danny Barr had scored an equaliser. Burnley were on their way to promotion at the time. We played well that game. And... And there was an iconic image of where the rest of the players were celebrating, yeah, and you did kind of, and Josh was in our media team, we were in the driving back down, I was driving and Josh is sat next to me doing it on his laptop and he's seen the photo come through and immediately we've had this conversation that it reminded us of Sparta, yeah. that film 300, <laughs> this is Sparta, what a movie. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, a movie. and jo- like Josh is in the seat next to me and I'm every t- as I'm driving along I keep looking down and I see him giggling to himself <laughs> and he's on Photoshop. And we, it was honestly, it's brilliant. I, I know you, you, you loved it. Yeah, I put it on my Instagram. I posted it on Instagram. It's a great photo. <laughs> great photo. The, uh, yeah, that was that was funny. They were all celebrating, weren't they? And I'm just to the side of them, giving it massive night to the fans. But that's that was another big game for us. Yeah, we played well. It was. What a point in the end, Danny Bath. But that it's that kind of stuff that was like why fans loved you because you love when when we scored a goal you loved it yeah you're involved in these just these little bits that's why you play football don't you that yeah. passion and you that enjoyment that that excitement and when you see the fans go sometimes you wish you probably on the other side of the you know the, whatever you call it advertisement board celebrating do you know what i mean like if i wasn't probably playing i would be that fan i'd be going mad <laughs> if shoes be scored fantastic do you know what i mean that's yeah. that's what it is because there was um I say the the view that the fans had of you the fan cast obviously loved you as well yeah. and there was the famous they run this thing every year um you know have you heard of the royal rumble in wrestling yes so they do a wolves royal rumble you might be in it this year who knows i've been in it before no i don't think i have um <laughs> it's really silly but the first time they did it pricey i won yeah 
And you celebrated with a WWE belt at the train I did, ground. but I had it upside down, didn't I? <laughs> I didn't realise until I saw the photo. That's a, it's a silly thing they do, isn't it? It's yeah. good fun. It's just on Twitter they do it, is it? Twitter? Yeah. What, what is it you've actually do? I don't have to do anything. Oh, no, no, no. So, like, they... I'm sort of thinking you have a wee tear up here. No, <laughs> I mean, I would win if we had to have a tear up. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, you like two versus each other. Um, no, it's like a thing on social media where, like, they they kind of run through like the people because you know it's like 30 people go into the ring during a Royal Rumble mm-hmm. and they kind of run through like and they use gifts and pictures and stuff to signify like different uh, people from oh, wars right. past okay. and present yeah, yeah. that kind of go in so the one year it was like I'm commentating on it and I drop the headphones and get in the ring and yeah. I think Aaron McCary got me out on that but I was still not still not bitter about it um, <laughs> but like and we brought it up loads didn't we like you loved it it was good fun it was good, obviously, blowing up the Twitter feed, wasn't it? So you're like, what the hell's going on here? And you're looking at it, you think, oh, decent banter, to be fair. <laughs> but without having to do anything, I was happy to collect the bell. <laughs> but how long? that was, what, three, four years ago, probably, yeah. when I started that? It feels a long time ago. Who yeah. won it last, do you know? Uh, I can't remember what they did in January. They probably stopped, didn't they? They're That's probably enough. still going. Do you think? I think it's probably still going. It's one of those quirky little things. Yeah, that they're a good you, bunch of lads, them, yeah. That you, yeah. It's that kind of thing that kind of sums up. And I guess kind of from your point of view, when you look at what the football club is now and where it could potentially go, because you're in a great position to judge that, mm. you kind of hope that those things that make wolves wolves... Stay. Stay. 100%, yeah. If if they change, then you don't want it to see a go-to a club like... I don't know Man City from the inside, but... I would say there's been a lot of probably change at the club there and you want those people to be still invite, invited to the training ground, involved with the players and I hope that stays, yeah, because obviously this club's going it's going, going places and it's going to be a, a big, big club in England and probably Europe as well in the next 10 years probably and you hope that sort of core of fan base, you know, the Wolves fan cast and sort of people that can still, you know, stay in touch with the players and be allowed to have their moments and have their fun because it's great for them as well, do you know what I mean? They're fans and they should be able to mingle with the players. Um, we always finish on important question before the random noises in the stadium <laughs> take over on us again. Um, how do you want to be remembered? Someone who, you know, give 100% every time you put put the wool shirt on, really. And I was passionate playing for this club and it, it meant a lot to, to me being able to play in front of these, you know, amazing supporters and I'm. I just yeah, obviously, ability aside, I just want to be known for. I did try my my best for, for these people that you know spend their hard earned money to come and watch us play, and hopefully that that was enough for them, which I, I know it is. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. Thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. For more great content, check out rules.co.uk or follow at rules on social media. Oh, and by the way, please support us by rating and reviewing our podcast on iTunes and Spotify.